This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. This morning, we're going to continue our series called The Generous Life. And one time a year, we just kind of put a pause on everything else. And we come back and we remind ourselves about how God wants us to live. They're really the, the ultimate goal of our lives is to simply live this way, to live beyond ourselves, to not live for ourselves, but to live beyond ourselves, which means that we have to recognize that the things that God places in our lives and in our hands were actually blessings from him to be used for him. And so we move into this season, and, it, and it's called Faith Harvest. And over the last couple decades, that's mean, that means something different to uh, different people. But it's a time where we just stop and we recognize this, that God has placed in your hand and my hand some seed. And it's things that have come from him and for him. And we have the wonderful privilege as people to be able to take what he's given to us and invest it into the lives of others. And I want you to get this. I'm going to put it up on the screen here. It's just a simple statement. And it's just that, that God has generously placed a measure of seed into our hands. And just, just stop and think about this for a second. When you woke up this morning, God gave you another day of life. That's a seed. It's called time. Every time that your heart beats, it's another seed. Every time that you breathe another breath, that is a gift from God. The Bible says this, that your days are numbered by God. He created you. He allows you to live as long as he sees fit. And your days are gifts from God. How many are glad you're above ground today? Come on. There's a couple people. You're glad you're above ground. Come on. The same thing goes with our talents. He gives you certain abilities and certain gifts. You have gifts and talents that I don't have. That's why you're here. And what makes this community so beautiful is that we come together and we recognize that God has made us uniquely, not so that we can sit back and spectate, but that we would participate. And so every day that we wake up and we realize that we've been given talents and abilities, God wants you to actually use your time by investing your talents into helping people, to blessing lives, into advancing the kingdom, into being, a, a, his, being Jesus's hands and feet. And, and here's the part that's real hard. And, and we're just going to just be a family and talk about it today. He also gives you this thing called money. Now listen, your money is not your money. That's the first challenge that we all face. Realize that everything that you have when it comes to your pocketbook, your check, every paycheck, every dollar that you hold on to, you are simply a steward of something that God has given you. Glad we got four amens there. Come on, we're going somewhere. And so listen, every time you get paid, God says this, I'm gonna put some more things into your hand Every dollar that you get, we recognize at the end of the day that we're holding these things called time, talent, and treasure. They were intended to be planted to grow and be fruitful. 
So the reason you're here sucking air, the reason that you have talents and abilities and finances is because God wants you to steward them for him. And what we find is that if we invest these properly, we live a life that all of us want to live anyways. It's called an abundant life, a life filled with joy and peace and happiness and fulfillment and contentment. All of those things are a byproduct. They're the antithesis of living a stingy, selfish, greedy life. When you're stingy, you don't feel good. When you're generous, you feel light. The reason why is because you're actually living the way that God intended you to live. Are you with me? Come on. So God's generously placed a measure of seed into your hands. So we've talked over the last couple of weeks about this concept that we got to get. And this is really what I believe the totality of our Christian experience in our life on earth. And why don't you go ahead and put it up on the screen. It's called just kind of the generous life big idea. And it's this, that our abundantly generous, not just generous, but our abundantly generous God. How many believe that we serve a very generous God? Come on. So our abundantly generous God who created us, again, he's the potter, we're the clay. He created us to live a generous life master crafted an ingenious plan. And this is his plan. You got to catch this. That freely gave us all that we have so that we, this is the part we don't like. We we're glad that he gave it to us. We don't like this part. So we could give it all away for his purposes to only receive more blessing in return to only give them away again. And, and this is the way that life is. You've got to, you, you wake up today and you're given time, at the end of the day, you'll never get that back. It's invested one way or another. And so God wakes up the next day and gives you more time. He gives you more talents. He gives you more treasures. And what happens, we've got to see this, that he freely gives you everything so that you can glorify him and be used by him. And the more that you give away, the empty your hand is, the more that you can receive the next time from him. If your hand is closed, You can't receive a thing from him. It doesn't fit in your hands. And so many people live this closed life experience and you wonder why nothing won't come out and why nothing won't go in. And we wonder why our lives are stressed out and why we're so filled with worry and doubt and anxiety and stress. It's simply because you've got cramps in your hands. And God wants you to just go, can you just please live this kind of life? I'll fill it up again and again and again and again and again and again. As long as you live, he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. And so this is what makes this subject real difficult today. Is that we don't like to talk about money. Because you know why? It's the God of this age. It really is. I mean, it's what everybody serves, what everybody, we, we work for our things. We live for our things. We've been identified by our things. We think that the things that we hold in our hand is what brings us joy and pleasure. It's not the things that bring you pleasure. It's the provider that brings the provision that gives you joy. But we begin to focus on the stuff versus the savior. And so I just, I just want to take an opportunity this morning just to, to pastor us and just talk about it. Listen, I don't want, we don't want your money. Let's just, let's just be upfront. We don't want it. We're trying to do something for you, not get something from you. Because when we can learn to finally just go like this and just let go, 
all of a sudden you begin to live what only about 1% of Americans ever experience. It's called the generous life. And so I want to look at a story today, and it's a story that we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks about King David. You find it in your Bible in the Old Testament in a book called First Chronicles. And in chapter 29, David is at the very end of his life. He's lived a very fruitful, a very prosperous life. One of the most incredible men. Yes, he made lots of mistakes, but he was a man after God's own heart. And we find him at the end of his life and he's reflecting back on everything that's happened, but he's also contemplating what eternity brings. He has a vast amount of wealth at his disposal. If you were to add it up into modern day dollars, it equates to about $4.65 billion. He was a billionaire. He's kind of the Bill Gates of the Old Testament. And we find him at this moment in his life, knowing that he's not taking anything with him. He recognizes what's been put in his hands was put there by God, and he models to us something very significant. He does what he desires every one of us to do, and he simply gives everything back to God. Knowing that he'll never be able to, in the natural, experience the building of this temple that he's giving this offering for, He's, he's not going to even be alive to watch the, the, the dirt even broken to start the building. I mean, he's just, he's not going to see any of that. But it, listen, he realizes this. Even though I might not see it in the natural, I'm paying it forward and I'll be rewarded in the eternal. So we've been talking about that for a couple of weeks. Everything that we have comes from God. Everything that he gives us is for his purposes. Listen, it doesn't mean that you can't have things. He just doesn't want things to have you. And as long as you have an open hand, he'll always allow you to have stuff until you start doing this. Once you start curling fingers, all of a sudden you begin to feel lack. Why? Because he doesn't want your things to have you. And so I want to talk this morning about this one part of our story. It's about the generous response. There was an opportunity in front of them. They saw David give everything. They were challenged. David said, hey, who now will give like I gave? And I want to pick up the story from the last couple of weeks where we begin to see their response to the ask. And so if you have your Bibles, 1 Chronicles 29, and I want to look at verses 6 through 9, and it says this. It says, then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and captains of the army, and the king's administrative officers all gave, notice this word here, willingly, not out of compulsion, not out of pressure. It was a voluntarily willing gift. Just came because they wanted to. And it says, for the construction of the temple, they gave about 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, about 600 tons of bronze, and 3,750 tons of iron. That's about 140, 40-foot semi-truck loads. Come on, that, that's a big offering. Come on. And they, it says they also contributed precious stones, numerous precious stones, 
which were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jehiel, a descendant of Gershon. And I love this last little verse here. It says this, the people rejoiced. They, they just gave away $9 billion, twice as much as David. And it says they were happy about it. I mean, either they, they had a secret or they were wacko. I mean, they just gave away $9 billion offering. And it says, and then the people rejoiced. It says about the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly. Why? Is because none of that stuff owned them. They understood that it, listen, it was never theirs in the first place to give. They only heard God speak to be a steward and to give him back what he first placed in their hand. And it says that King David also was filled with joy. I want to talk about this, this hard part, about a response. Because see, God has placed in our hand all of this stuff. Every day we hold it and God asks you to respond properly to what he's placed in your hand. And we're challenged every day with that thought. I mean, what you're going to do with your time or your talent, what you're going to do when you leave here today. Whatever it is in front of you, we're stewards and will actually be held accountable for what we do with these placed in our hands. And that requires a little bit of a challenge. Come on, has anybody ever been asked something that stretches you a little bit? Come on, wave at me. You just kind of, maybe a wife or a spouse or a husband, you know, they ask you to do something a little bit more than you want to do, right? I remember this one particular time. Um, some of the spouses are still giggling and laughing, so I'm glad I hit the cord here. I remember this one time my wife and I, we were sitting down on a nice warm Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday morning, and she was looking at some magazines and I was reading the Bible. I don't know what I was doing, but um, <laughs> at any rate, we were, she, she had this magazine open and it was a picture of, it was a Martha Stewart magazine. It was a picture of this beautiful trellis that, that spanned across this patio with this wonderful looking wisteria plant with all these beautiful purple, it was, it was so beautiful. You could almost scratch and sniff the page. I mean, it just was like, oh my gosh, this is just amazing. She goes, Hey, baby, would you, would you build this for me? I thought, first I was thinking, no way. And I thought, you know, I'm a pretty good husband. I, I, I could build that thing. You know, after all, I'm a master carpenter and all, you know, I, it looks like a pretty easy task. And so I decided to just kind of respond properly. I said, yeah, of course, babe, we're going to build this thing. It's be awesome. So I went to Home Depot and my first day was about eight hours looking at boards because the two by two slats that had to span over this 20 foot slab area. I needed to make sure they were straight. And so it wasn't just picking boards out. I had to handpick every single one of them. And then I bring them home and realize, oh my gosh, I can't paint them while they're up. Paint will get all over the house and patio and window. So I got to hand paint every board with primer and then let that dry and turn it and paint it, let it dry and paint it. And then I got to put paint on it. And then when I'm done, I got to drill holes. And so about a month later, um, we, we decided to begin to construct this, this masterpiece and I would put it all up and it was beautiful. And about two weeks later, we'd be done with the project. And then we got to go buy this beautiful, little, wonderful wisteria plant. They're just so precious and so wonderful. And so we planted it and, and something happened unique about this wisteria plant. It grew and it grew and it grew and it grew and it done growed real fast. 
And I found myself all of a sudden as I noticed that the branches were now growing up under the siding of my house on the second story, that I probably had a problem here. So now, again, from a cute little Saturday morning, looking at a cute little picture, here I am, guys, I'm like six months into this thing, a year into this thing, and I'm, I'm having to go out onto the, the trellis, climb out the second story window and step down on the trellis on these two by two slats, fearful that they're gonna break, reaching underneath the siding and cutting off. And every two weeks, I'd have to go cut all of this wisteria off the house. And then when it started to break up the concrete, I realized, you know, it's it. And so we, we came up with an ingenious idea. I told my wife, standing in the back, embarrassed to come in here. I said, let's, let's do this. I said, let's just sell the whole house. We're just getting rid of the house. I mean, this thing's a disaster. So that's what we did. We sold the house. I mean, next person got to deal with all the wisteria and the beautiful, wonderful little thing. Drove by just a couple of weeks ago to find out whoever it was that bought it, they tore it all down because it probably took over the whole house. It was just like a green wisteria plant house, you know. Every single one of us, every day, are faced with circumstances that require a response. They can be something as simple as someone asking you how your day is going. Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Hey, what are you doing today? Well, after this message, I'm going to go serve the homeless or what. But whatever it is, you, you have a chance to respond. Maybe an opinion. You know, hey, what do you think about the weather today? Well, that's an opinion. What do you think about this crazy election? I mean, every request requires a response. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes not so much. There's a lot of simple requests that really don't have a lot of like, eternal impact in your life. There are a few that do. Salvation's one of them. Whether you choose to accept Jesus to be your Lord or your Savior will determine where you spend eternity. Your choice. You can choose him or ignore him. It, it, it really comes down to this. It requires you to respond. Your response determines your outcome. Your time. He says that we're to redeem the time. He's put stuff into your hand. What you choose to do with what he gave you will determine your eternal outcome. Your choice. Same thing with talents. Same thing with treasures. What we choose to do with what he has given us will ultimately determine the outcome of your life. What you eat today determines what you look like tomorrow. How you exercise today determines the clothes you fit in to tomorrow. Guys, the way you treat your wife today will determine where you sleep tomorrow. It's just simple math. Happy wife, happy life. Right? So listen, everything that we do and our response to it determines our outcome. And so when it comes to this idea, and again, we're three weeks into this series, we've been talking about these seeds, our time, talent, and treasure. There's really only four ways that you can respond today to what we've been talking about for, for, for three weeks now. There's really four. The first way that you can respond is this, is with a no response. 
to where you just kind of say, no, it's living life with a closed fist. And you're just kind of looking there and you're just saying, I'm not going to do this, period. Listen, by the way, it's your choice. I find that many people who live this way, they do it for a variety of reasons. First of all, probably the biggest, they actually think that what is in their hands is theirs, that they own it. Mine. It's like your little kid. Mine, mine, my toy, my French fries. Right? We just think that it's mine. Here's a couple other ones. I just, I just jotted them down. They don't believe that God's word is really true, that he really owns it. They're simply selfish. They go, yeah, you know, I kind of know it's God's, but I like it anyways. Or a lack of faith that God will provide. There's a trust issue. God, if I give it away, you, you won't. I don't know if you will, and so I'm going to hold tightly. I don't care to give it away, or I love my stuff too much, a fear of letting go, ignorance to biblical truth, whatever it is. We get to this place where we hold on, and we simply say no to him. That this is really what we say when we say no. God, what I have in my hand is more valuable than what you have for me for my life. That this right here is my God. This right here is what's most important to me. And unfortunately, again, I'm just trying to be honest here. Unfortunately, so many people live this way. And it's interesting because as you go back and you study the Bible and also you study medical records and history, you find out this, that there is a, a literally a physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, relational effect to living a life of no. Studies even show that medically people that live a no life have more anxiety, more stress, more sickness, heart disease and problems. They deal with diabetes. You begin to study a lot of people that begin to live a life of no. They're so bound and so tight and so restricted about protecting everything that the effect of that, it actually releases into your body. Brain science shows that there's actually things that are released into your body that aren't healthy for you on a long-term basis. But the Bible shows us this. Here's a couple other things. Inferior spiritual life a lack of blessing and favor, a lack of unhappiness, excuse me, a life of unhappiness, anxiety, a life that ends in futility, increased pride and arrogance, stinginess, selfishness, being robbed of the primary reason for your existence. Come on, how many would sign up for that kind of a life? Come on, you go, man, I just want to live that life. Is there a handout for this today? I mean, I want to check this off. I want to live that way. And even though we don't want to live that way, listen to me, we live that way. It's what society tells us to do. And we come to this place, and I ask myself this question, why do we as humans hold on to the stuff that matters least to miss the blessings that matter most? And I I was reading this this, um, article regarding a a tribe, they're called the Nanib tribe, And they were talking about how they um, capture monkeys, and that would be one of their major delicacies, where they capture these monkeys and eat them. It's part of their food. And so what they do is they take coconuts, and they cut a hole in the coconut, a small hole, and they, they carve it all out. And then they put delicacies like rice and different things into this 
this coconut and they put a chain to the coconut that's held to a stake or to a tree and monkeys will come out at night and they'll slip their hand through the little hole trying to get the delicacies and as soon as their hand pops in and they grab it, they try to pull it out but they can't get their hand out because they've got their hand around their stuff. And they're not smart enough to just simply let go, get the hand out, turn the coconut over and put it in their hand and take off. They actually, they sit there and they fight and they won't let go of it. And ultimately they came looking for their dinner only to find out they became someone's dinner. And here's the kicker, guys, listen to this. The problem is not the coconut. The problem wasn't what was in their hand. Their problem was their attitude and their heart to how they were holding what was in their hand. Listen, God's not bothered again by you having stuff. He just wants you to have stuff that is available to him anytime he asks for it because it is his anyways. So there's a no response. There, there's a, a not now response. And so maybe you're saying, well, I don't say no, you know, but I'd like to, but what I'm holding in my hand right now, it's a little bit challenging because life's challenging. I get it. Bills are tight, working two jobs, dishwasher broke, car broke, you know, wh- whatever it might be. And you're just going, you know, I'd love to be able to give, but God, not now. Just kind of, you know, I, I kind of got my hand open, but I kind of got a shadow and hope you don't see it, right? And you know, the reality with this is from a natural perspective or natural position, it makes sense. I get it. You kind of look at the checkbook, you look at the bills, you look at it and you just go, okay, yeah, not now makes sense. But here's the kicker. And this is, this is why it's so important to hear this. It doesn't make biblical sense. Because when you look at what's going on in your world and you look at the tight situation you're in, the only way to get out of the tight situation is to bring God into the tight situation. You find over and over and over again that people that were in deep poverty that lived a generous life, God came and blessed them out of their tight situation. I read about the Macedonians. It says, due to their extreme poverty, and again, you read 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, two chapters, and he talks about these people that lived in extreme poverty. It says, out of their poverty, they gave beyond their ability, therefore God brought exceedingly great riches and generosity to their life. And, and, and Paul brags about this. Listen to what he says here, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 and 10. He's bragging about them. He says, and God will generously provide all you need. This is God's word here now. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This is God himself saying, listen, when you give, you will always have more than enough. You'll have surplus. God wants you to have more than you need so that you can give more than you have. I'll say that again. God always wants to give you more than you need so that you can give more than you currently have. This is what Paul's trying to tell us here. He says, as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. There's an outcome. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. 
And he says, in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. He's saying this in context to some people, the Macedonians that were almost starving. And he says, by the way, not now doesn't work in my kingdom because am I not the God that can provide everything? Can I not just grow, um, you know, spark plugs on cactus plants or bananas on telephone poles? I'm, I'm the God of all flesh. Can I not do anything? Can I not provide for you? Do I not take care of the lilies of the field and the fish of the sea and the birds of the air? He says, am I not that kind of God? So he says, listen, if you're tight, trust me and give your way out of it. Here's another one. How about this? An obligation response. And again, a lot of us, we can get this way if we're not careful. That's why these messages are helpful and, and why they're a challenge is because sometimes we give out of religious duty. Wow, well, you know, we're supposed to do this. We're going to write a chair. Yeah, you know, God says we're supposed to do that. Honey, we'll just... And listen, the Bible says that, that, that it's not necessarily what you give, but how you give what you give that honors God. He says that he loves a cheerful giver. It it doesn't say he likes. Listen, he really loves someone that's cheerful. He loves people that are cheerfully giving. And then there's this last one here, and it's, it's called the generous response. And this is where I want to spend the remaining of our time together. It's when we finally come to this place where we say, okay, God, I get it. As hard as this is, as much as it seems to go cross-grained to the culture in which I live and all of the different advertising and enticements and temptations to live this kind of glorious life. It's someone that finally just says, despite it all, God, I just want to give generously. I want to live life beyond myself, freely, wholeheartedly, generously, like we saw in the story. So here's what I want to do in the few minutes we have together. I want to go back to 1 Chronicles 29. And I want to unlock some of the secrets here because we found that these guys gave a generous offering. They had a generous response. And there's some words here that I want to unpack and I want to apply them to our lives today in the 21st century. And let's just talk for just a second about what does a generous response contain? What are those, what are those components God, that you want to put in my life and my heart that I might please you. The first one is this, is that a generous response is a willing response. And we look at the scripture and it says in 1 Chronicles 29, 6, it says, they all gave willingly. This wasn't because someone necessarily forced them or they felt pressure to. God was doing something in them, in their heart. It was, it was a God moment. It was God speaking to them. They're going, I, I don't want to feel like I'm doing this because I have to. I just, I just, I can't stand it. I want to. I want to love people. I want to bless people. I want to serve people. That word willing simply just means that. It means that it's a heart attitude that desires to do something for someone with eagerness and generosity. You, you see something going on and you're not even asked, but out of it, you just kind of go like, I want to be a part. I mean, it's just, there's something here. I just, I've just got to do this. 
You know, a lot of you would know that, um, you know, my wife and I, we've got two uh, special needs children, now 25 and 26 years old. And uh, last summer I was with Kyle and we were in a parking lot out in Clackamas area in a Safeway parking lot. And there was a lady there that was, um, she was crying and she had a gas can with her and she was needing some gas. I know at times that that's kind of a scam thing, but she told me, she says, listen, if, if, if you want to, to walk with me over to get the gas, if you want to put it in my car, that's fine. I got my kids in my car. I can't go any farther. She's just crying. And so I said, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to just help this lady. So I pull out a $20 bill and give it to her. And Kyle's just sitting there. And all of a sudden, Kyle reaches in and grabs his Batman wallet. Those of you that know Kyle, he's just so cool. And he opens up his Batman wallet. He's got $1 in there. And he pulls it out and he goes, Dad, take it, Dad. I said, you know, buddy, listen, man, I got it covered, man. You keep your dollar, man. And I'm going to go ahead. And he goes, Dad, take it, Dad. Take it, take it, Dad. Take it. Give it to her, Dad. Take it. So I said, okay, okay. Shh, calm down, son. So grab the dollar, give her $21. And he sits back in the car and he's just, he's just smiling. I mean, he's just, he's, he's got to figure it out than a lot of people I know. And he sits down and he's just smiling. And so I reach into my wallet and I take, get, give him a $10 bill and I give it to him. He goes, thanks dad. Puts it in his Batman wallet, puts it in his pocket. He's going, man, I like the way this works, right? Yeah. See, here's what a willing giver is. Willing giver recognizes that what they're a part of and what you can do together is more important than your personal treasure can do for your fleshly satisfaction. Kyle got it. Take it, Dad. We've got to get to a place, again, where, where we don't allow the American fog to bombard us so much. We've got to just be able to just, when you've got your stuff in your head, just go, take it, God. Take it, God. <laughs> you know, right? Come on, take it, Dad. He wants us to live that way. He wants us to live with a willing heart, recognizing everything that's in our hands is his. He, here's the second thing that I, I look at when I see the scripture, and that is that a generous response is, is a cheerful response. Again, it says the people rejoiced over the offerings, and King David was filled with rejoice. I mean, they were, they were filled with excitement and zeal. And when I think about this particular thing, I, I realize that they... They were ecstatic to be a part of what God was doing. Listen, they didn't see money. They saw faces. They saw people. They saw needs. They just realized that this little piece of paper that we think is so important, it's, just, it's a piece of paper with some president's name on it and a couple numbers. They realized that giving of that in the natural unlocks something in the supernatural and there was an incredible amount of cheerfulness that came. It says that God loves a cheerful giver. He takes delight in those who take delight in giving their resources for his purposes. And, and when I think about just all of the stuff that we're doing, you know, we're talking about a $1,102,000 vision dream. I don't look at any of that in a dollar amount. I think people, I think faces. I think right now, as I just was here worshiping, I got a text from one of our online guys. We got people watching us right now from East India. We've got people watching us from Africa. We've got people in Nicaragua, in Japan. We've got people all over the metro area that what we have done and what we have invested, it's touching people. I think of the guy named Tim Sager. He's down in Fresno, California. 
he got saved listening to one of our services and he, he, he texted me and then he wrote me and he basically says this, I'm a truck driver and I drive every single day, all day. He says, I'm going through the archives. He says, you're feeding me, you're helping me. My life's being transformed. As we sit here, I think in my mind, we're helping that man. The foster kids and the homeless people, we feed 25% of all of the metro area's homeless people every day. City Bible Church themselves gives about 20 tons of food a month to feed the homeless in our city. I see that. I see the sex trafficking victims. I see the foster kids. That's what I see. And it's in that that I begin to be cheerful. I begin to see people that are excited and crying and hugging and thank you. That's what it's all about. It's, it, listen, if, 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 if you're living like this and you can't let go, you're missing the most beautiful part of life. It's helping people that are hurting and broken. And when you finally just get your fingers off it, you let go, it's just like, wow. I hope you watch Ebenezer Scrooge during the holidays. I mean, he got the victory, right? He's just kind of like, wow. He's just going, hey, woohoo. I mean, he's just giving it all away. He's just going, man, I went to, to the other side and I saw what it was going to be like. And all of a sudden, I don't want to live that way. Reminds me of the pastor who's in front of his church one day and said, hey, listen, anybody that's willing to give $1,000 this morning, you can choose your own hymn. This elderly lady runs up. She throws down $3,000. goes, what's that for? He says, well, I choose him. I choose him. And I choose him. <laughs> she was a cheerful giver, man. She says, I'm a pick up me three men today, you know? <laughs> Even though she might've missed the intent, I bet you God looked down and said, man, she's, she's a cheerful giver, right? Come <laughs> on. Like I said, I don't know where I got this, not in my notes, but I told it both servers because that's just funny. I don't care who you are, right? Here's another one, a faith-filled response. That you actually believe, you know, when you plant something in the ground, a farmer plants a seed, he actually intends for that apple seed not to just grow an apple, but a tree. That there'll be thousands of apples. When you invest and you say, God, I'm, I'm giving for your purposes, I totally believe that God's going to use my seed to reach thousands of people for Christ. He multiplies it. He's the God of multiplication. And we've got to recognize that our, our giving demands a faith-filled response. I think of the Live Love Centers, and I think of all the things that we're doing everywhere. I think of the mill plane rooms that we want to finish here to put more kids in. I mean, I just, I think about all those things. I say, God, I believe that together, listen, please. If every one of us do our part, we could reach millions for Christ. That matters to him. It matters to me. It should matter to all of us. And the last thing is just simply this. A generous response is a sacrificial response. Guys, I'm just, I'm a fellow American. This is so hard. Why is it? Because really what God asks is you to give your all. We don't like that. That doesn't mean that you can't live a nice life or drive a nice car. It's just, remember, it's his car. 
And when you're driving it, if he says, I want you to give it to a single mom, then give it to her. He'll give you a better one. It's just living this life of just recognizing, God, if you want me to do anything with what I have because it's yours in the first place, I value what you value so much so that when you speak, I'll simply give it knowing that you'll do more in return. I'm going to sacrifice. We live in a world that teaches us different. We live in a culture, again, when we hear this in church, and again, I feel awkward even saying it. 96% of all Christians live less than their ability when it comes to giving. 3% give according to their ability, and only 1% give beyond their ability. And I'm reminded, I'm going to finish with this story, and then we're going to, we're going to sing. There's a man that was going to a University of Costa Rica, very poor man, worked at a peanut farm, barely could get by. And at the university, they had once a week this day, it was called Bless Another Day, where you would give something to someone. He was so poor, he didn't have anything, so he went to his boss And he said, can I buy a peanut? Would you take it out of my pay? That's about all I can afford. He could have stole the peanut. Hey, boss, you know. But he says, no, I'm gonna do this right. I wanna buy a peanut. And every week he'd give away a peanut to someone. And it got around that this, this very poor student was so heartfelt and generous in his peanut giving that they got filled with joy. He saw that. So he decided to sacrifice a little bit more and he decided to buy two peanuts. The boss heard about it, was so moved by this guy's generosity, he gave him a raise. Instead of increasing his level of living, he increased his level of giving. He says, I'm going to move the pencils. He started buying pencils. He started handing out pencils on Bless Another Day. Then paper. Then he moved to part-time tuition. He started paying for another poor student's tuition half-time. And then he moved to full-time. Then he got another raise and another raise. Then by the time he graduated four years later, he was paying for 10 students full-time tuition along with himself. The boss was so moved and was old. You know what he decided to do? Give him the peanut farm. Today he's a very, very wealthy man in Costa Rica. And part of his mission in his business is to support hundreds of students that can't get an education And it started with one stinking peanut. I guess I just want to end where we started today. Your response determines your outcome. And when you look today, you look tomorrow, you look next year, next 10 years, whatever it is, you look at what's in your hand, Just ask the question, what am I going to do with what God has placed in my hand? Here's the kicker, guys. You choose. Not about me, not about this church, not about, this is simply between you and him. You choose. I want to watch a video this morning of a lady that has understood what it means to really give her all. And it's kind of ironic as we talk today about our faith harvest response and where we're going this morning. 
with our online giving to just hear this amazing story about how this lady has invested her life. Listen to me, listen, 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 don't check out. She's invested her life in the very thing, the church, that has given her life. Let's watch this together. It's probably about a year ago, last October, November, that God started stirring in my heart that it was time to leave California. So I came to Oregon, to Portland, and visited a friend that I had known for 22 years, had not seen her in probably five or six years. So I stayed, and then it was time to go home, and as I was driving home and driving out of Portland, I said to God, if this is where you want me, if you're calling us to Portland, Oregon, I have to have a church. And God, if you do not show me my church, I will not move. I will not move without hearing from you. So got home a few days later um, and uh, was sitting at home, just my quiet time. God said, I want you to Google something. And I'm like, okay. So he gave me a string of words and it was, um, it was spirit filled, giving, communion, prayer. Put that in, hit the search and up popped City Bible Church. And I thought, oh, okay. So I went on and uh, listened to an archive message. And I thought, well, this is really good. You know, this is solid teaching. This is good. I like the music. So the next day was Sunday. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to stay home and I'm going to go to church online. I logged in online. And the minute church started, it was like the presence of God, the Holy Spirit filled my home. And I knew I was home. And I'm like, God, How do I do this? I mean, you've given me a home church in Portland, but I'm still in Fresno, California. How do I do this? So what I did is I started attending online campus every week, very faithful, and tithing and offering. And then God just started, said it was time. So then on uh, June, June 3rd, we just packed everything up and left and came here again with nothing. I didn't have a job at that point didn't have a place to stay. Well, actually I did, Kathy Mackin. (laughs) And that's what we did. We came up here knowing that God had called us not just to be a part of that online campus, but to come here and and to build a life here and and be a part of this family. So moved up here, stayed with Kathy Mackin and watched God within two weeks uh, get us a job, find us a place to live. And as I started connecting here, I became very aware of the one area of ministry I needed to to serve was the online campus. And what it did for me is it connected me with a greater purpose because it became more than just me. It became about other people. I think of my mom who's gonna be 86 years old and who lives in a high desert small community who can't drive herself to church in the winter. So what do we do? We hook Nana up. Nana has, you know, a, a, a tablet and she can go to church online. I think about people who are incarcerated. You know, there is a revival going on in our correctional facilities. People hungry for God and hungry for change. They don't have the opportunity to, to leave to go to church, but we could live stream in services and impact their lives. Think of those that are in facilities, uh, whether it's a hospice facility who are fighting the, the a battle for their lives, who can't leave or even hospitals or, or uh, senior citizen homes. 
across the board. I want to see us go into places with the Word of God that while they would not physically let us in, that they would let a camera in, they'd let a computer in. I have such gratitude. I would not be here if it weren't for the online campus and for Pastor Rick McClatchy and Kathy Mackin or Rocky Butte as a whole. And my generous response is that I want to do for others what has been done for me. And while I cannot do that physically, I can do it through my giving. I can through, give it through a generous response of, of time and talent and my increase. And in doing that, I can show others what God has done in my heart through the love and acceptance of the people here. What a story. You know, here's a lady that recognized how God has helped her so much, how this church has helped her. And she chose to say, you know what? I want to devote my life to helping others like those who helped me. You know, if, if there's one thing that defines us as City Bible Church, it's this. Live like Jesus. Share His love. Our prayer, and I pray this every single morning for every person that attends City Bible Church, God, help them to find your purposes in their life. The world has just fallen apart. We look at the political turmoil and questions, and, and people forget to realize that there's a God of hope. There's Jesus. There's people like us that can love them. We just, we just got to get in front of them and let them know this is a safe place. This is a healing place. This is a place where you can find hope, where you can find love, where you can grow, where you can find purpose. And again, my prayer is that every single one of us that are in this place, everybody that's listening all over the world online, God, help us to just push aside. Say, God, help us to be a people that live a generous life. So this morning, as I close the service here, I want to take our tithes and offerings. I, I, I first of all just want to say thank you for, for those of you that tithe faithfully. You know, the, the Bible says that tithing is your first step of obedience. It's not necessarily generosity. It's obedience. He just wants you to give the first tenth that's actually his to give it back. Everything after the tenth, he's just saying, be generous with that, but be obedient first with that. So the reason we can do what we do in these buildings and lights and staff and people and children and everything that we do, youth ministries, is because you tithe. And I just want to say, whoever you are, thank you for being obedient. Thank you for being a part of this family. Um, if you don't tithe, let me just encourage you. Again, this is just for you. Pray about it. Grab your spouse's hand. Think about it. Pray. Just go, I'm going to cross the line today. I'm going to make a difference, and I'm going to start figuring out how to get my fingers off my stuff so that God can put more stuff in my hand. So if you need to give your tithes this morning, there's envelopes in there. You can put those in the, in the buckets as soon as they come by. But, but let me just speak for a moment, and I'll be done, about the generous life offering 
that we're doing. We've been doing this now for three weeks. And I would ask that every one of you just reach in front of you. And again, if you've already done this, that's fine as well. But I want every person to just reach right in front of you in your seat back. There's one of these brochures because maybe you'll use it today. Maybe you won't. But would you reach forward and grab it? Hopefully I see everybody. Come on, just reach forward and grab this. Don't feel any pressure, but I just want you to put it in your hand. And I want you to open it up and I want you to just look at this, this first panel here. And you'll notice that there are four big areas Each of these areas we've highlighted every week. This week, for instance, this middle box on the top, giving to spread the word. This week, we're emphasizing the fact that we want to believe God to bring in $180,000 to be able to put the technology in place that we can put our services in front of millions of people. Seven-day-a-week services in front of people. We want to put it on the plains of Africa. We want to put it in the every prison that we can think of, every senior living community, we want to make it hard for people to go to hell. We have a businessman that actually wrote the check for the other half of that. We actually needed 360. One guy wrote one check for that. I think you should put your hands together wherever he's at for that one guy that says, hey, I'm going to live a generous life. As you look at these things, and again, you'll notice on the side here, you can give to whatever area you want. This is what's different about Faith Harvest this year. You choose whatever your passion is. Homeless people, foster kids, whatever you might want to do. Sex trafficking victims help build the building here at Mill Plain to expand the rooms. You choose where you want your money to go. Or you can choose just the top line. This is what my wife and I did. Just please use my pledge for all the areas I wanted a little bit to go everywhere. But can I ask you again, again, this is, this is not a, a begging. I, I just want to ask you, what can you be a part of helping us touch lots of lives? If this is your home, even something to just say, you know what, I'm in. God doesn't, listen to me, God doesn't care how much you give. He cares about your heart in what you give, what you give. Just lean in and say, you know, I'm going to be a part. And so, again, you can fill this out. You don't have to necessarily put money in today. You can just simply put a pledge. Pay it in five months, six months, over a couple weeks, whatever you want to do. But I just just want to ask us as a church, I always dream and say, what would it be like if we lived a life like Exodus 35 where Moses had to say, stop giving. We got enough. That would be an awesome thing. So if you do me a favor, if you would just uh, look at this, I'm going to just ask them to sing the chorus maybe once or twice to 60 seconds. Because maybe this might be your first time to just pause and say, okay, I'm going to put my eyes on this, think about my life, think about my resources. Your spouse is by you, maybe the first time you've talked. And I want you to fill this out. So let's just play the song and I'll just give you an opportunity just to pray for a moment and fill this out.